This is Dean Mathis, the Director of Capital Ministries, Michigan. Today we're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 22. I've entitled this particular study, Faith's Founding Fathers. Now, I'm not talking about the founders of the American Republic. That was the group of men who gathered in Philadelphia and wrote the Constitution of the United States, which serves as the principle of our republic from the point of its ratification until today, serves as the guiding documents of our corporate political life as a nation. Now, I'm talking about the founding fathers of Judaism, the men who, by believing God's promises, by walking by faith, have transformed the history of the world and have seen the fulfillment of God's promises in many substantial ways and whose people, the Jewish people, are responsible for bringing the Son of God into humankind in order to save us from our sins. So these are extremely important people. And the writer to the Hebrews is reminding his readers and us that the reason these men are so notable and why they're so important is because they, like us, were made right with God through believing what he had promised. They were saved by faith, so to speak. So we're going to look at these men. These The people we're going to look at are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. So this is an important set of verses. There's a number of verses to cover, but we'll be doing an overview. It behoove you to go back and read and meditate on these verses at your leisure. Beginning in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, that is, being convinced that something is true, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Verse 9. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Verse 11, by faith even Sarah, that's Abraham's wife, herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him, that is God, faithful who had promised. Therefore, There was born even of one man, and him as good as dead, in that as many descendants as the stars of the heavens in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So, in those verses, he capsulizes the earthly pilgrimage of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham lived over near what is modern-day Baghdad, in the Fertile Crescent area, or the Chaldees is what the ancient city was. The point of civilization after Noah's flood, where the people settled there in the Euphrates Valley. And when Abraham was 75 years old, according to the book of Genesis, he was called by God to leave his abode and follow God to where God commanded him to go. And the tenses of the verbs in Genesis let us know that he began to to move immediately as soon as God commanded him to go. He just got up by faith, being convinced that God who promised this was telling him the truth and set out for a place and he didn't even know where he was going. 
And then he was told once he got there, he wasn't to settle there. He was to live there as an alien, as a stranger, as a sojourner. And that sometime in the future, his descendants would come back and inherit this land and he would be able to inherit the land also in the future. God was giving this land to him and to all of his descendants. Now, as time passed, he and Sarah didn't have any children. And when he was age 100 and she was age 90, a visitation of the Lord, what we call a theophany, appeared at their tent. And in the process of a conversation, God told Abraham that they would have a child a year later. And then this individual who was what we would call a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of, of Christ in human form, told Abraham what he was about to do was to go down to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and judge it because of their great sin. Abraham, of course, had his prayer that if there were at least 10 righteous people in the city, that it would be spared. And off they went. Well, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. And therefore, Abraham and Sarah had an affirmation that God would keep his word. Anyhow, what the scripture is saying is that these people were past childbearing age. By this point, Abraham was too old to sire children and Sarah had long passed menopause. But nevertheless, God made it possible for Abraham and Sarah to have children because they believed in God that miracle came to pass, and the birth of that child, that was the child of promise, was the boy named Isaac. Isaac, of course, gave birth to Jacob, and that's another interesting story, but all three of these guys, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were all called by God, by faith, to believe in God and to resume this pilgrimage that God had given Abraham, and that's what they did. Then in verse 13, it picks up with the narrative again. It says, all of these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exile on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, They desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he had prepared a city for them. Then picking up in verse 17, he carries the account forward. By faith, that is by believing that something is true because God has promised it to be true, that it would come to pass. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son, It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. He considered that God was able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received from him back as a type. So Abraham was called upon after Isaac was at least a teenager to take Isaac up to a place that God would choose and there to sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham fully complied with that and was ready to carry out God's command when God stopped him and provided a substitute. Later, God the Father would do exactly what he forbade Abraham to do by providing his son to be the true sacrifice for our sins. Well, by being willing to carry that out, Abraham also let us know that he believed in life after death. He believed that God would fulfill the promise to bring the chosen people, the seed people, the means by which God would bless the world through the coming Messiah, He would bring that race to be through Isaac. 
But if Isaac had been sacrificed, then God would have to raise Isaac from the dead. So Abraham, Isaac, and later Jacob also demonstrated that they not only believed in the promises of God as far as a future for their descendants, and they not only believed the promise that God would give their descendants a land in which to dwell, and that will yet be fulfilled in time-space history. They also believed that God had prepared for them a destiny beyond this life. So then he picks up the narrative in verse 20 when it says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau regarding things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention in Exodus of the Exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. So in successive order, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Joseph all bore witness to the fact that they believed in the promises of God. And the final person that he talks about there is Joseph, who had been prepared by God to rescue the Jewish people from starving to death, was sold into slavery by his brothers, later becomes the second most powerful man in the world, and is able to rescue the Jewish people and bring them down to Egypt. But Joseph was already aware of and a believer in the promises that God had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that the land of Canaan, the area now we now call Israel, was the promised land, and that someday God would take those Jewish people back to that promised land. And Joseph made them promise. He made the sons of Jacob promise, his brothers promise, that when that happened, their descendants would take Pharaoh's mummified body back to that land of promise and bury him there. That's where he wanted his bones to be, so that in the resurrection, he would be there when the kingdom age was established. So these men all demonstrated their faith and they were made right with God and they were acceptable to God and loved by God because they believed him. Now, the summary that we have of these verses is this. Number one, the patriarchs, that is the founding fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then of course, Joseph, lived by or they lived according to faith. The guiding principle of their life is that they were convinced that what God has promised was true. Number two, they did not receive the totality of the promise in their lifetime. That's going to be true with us if Jesus tarries. We believe in eternal life through the life, death, and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We may not receive that in our lifetime, but we will receive it in the life to come. Number three, They saw the future fulfillment of the promises of God by faith. Number four, they believed that God would bring everything he had promised to pass. It was just a matter of time. Time on God's clock, not on our clock. Number five, they embraced or they saluted the promises. They affirmed that they believed that God's promises were indeed true because they were based upon the word of God, which is infallible. Number six, They confessed that they were earthly strangers and pilgrims. In other words, they admitted that the focus of their lives was not earthly. Their focus of their lives is not in this world or in this lifetime. Therefore, ultimate fulfillment is not found or grounded in this life we now live. Meaning and purpose is found in the eternal future. It carries on even after this lifetime. They signified that by during their lifetime, they lived as 
tent dwellers. They, they didn't have any permanent possession. The only property they owned was a burial plot that they purchased in order to bury their loved ones as they passed away in the land of Canaan. Number seven, they were seeking a heavenly country. They made that clear. They believed in life after death. They believed in the heaven that is revealed in the last two chapters of the Bible. God had revealed that to them. They didn't write it down at that point, but nevertheless, they did believe in it. Number eight, they had no desire to return to the Ur of the Chaldees or to Haran. They were content to trust God to protect them, guide them, and sustain them while they were pilgrims. Now, this brings us to a principle that all of this sort of outlines, and it's this. If God makes a promise to an individual, and the individual dies before the promise is fulfilled, God is obliged to resurrect and to fulfill the promise. Now, later, when Jesus comes, he talks about the fact that before Abraham was, before Abraham was born, Christ existed. He was claiming to be the eternal son of God. And he also told the people that the founding fathers of Judaism, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were men of faith. They believed that what God promised was true, was exactly the way it was going to be. And just like Jesus was calling his generation and our generation to faith in him, it's the very same thing that the patriarchs did in their generation. And Jesus even told the people of his day that when the kingdom age was established, that God would fulfill every promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They would be resurrected from the dead, and they would indeed inherit the promised land. Now, the promised land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob extended from the Euphrates River to roughly where the Suez Canal is today, that whole territory. That whole territory has never been occupied by the Jewish people, but one day it will be during the millennial reign of Jesus. And so Christ said, everything that God had promised, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is going to come to pass. But it's better than that, more than that. It will include everyone who, following Christ, believes in him as Savior and as Lord. And so this promise is extended to us. Now, the writer to the Hebrews is writing to Jewish believers who were being tempted because of persecution to go back into Judaism. And the writer of the Hebrews is saying, why on earth would you want to do that? Because the very foundation of Judaism, the very beginning of the Jewish race as a people, all came from men and their wives who were people of faith who believed in God's promises. And therefore, proof of the reality of that is the very fact that at the time of the writing of the book of Hebrews, the Jewish people were very extant. They still are. The Bible predicted that they would have periods of non-belief in God, that the majority of the people would walk away from God. And at that time, God would disperse them. But then toward the end of this particular age of human history in which we live, yet God would regather them. That is exactly what's happened for the last 2,000 years, from 70 AD until today. The Jewish people, when they rejected Jesus, were eventually scattered, first by Rome and then by other Gentile powers, and they have been scattered across the face of the earth. There are very few places on this planet where you can go where you will not find Jewish people. But then, toward the end of 
the 19th century, there began to be a desire on the part of Jewish people to reestablish their homeland. It began with the Zionist movement in the late 1890s, and then it culminated in the UN creating the nation state of Israel in 1948. Now, it took World War I and World War II and the Holocaust to get the community of nations to see the importance of that. But in our lifetime, we have seen the, the beginning of the fulfillment of the prophecies of the end in that there are Jewish people back in the land. Also, it's in our lifetime that we have a number of people in the Jewish people that have begun to openly profess Jesus as the Messiah. That's another sign of the times, so to speak. So the faith of the patriarchs, the faith of those early men, is the foundation upon which everyone who has believed in God since that time up to this very moment have experienced God's grace and God's favor. And so I would encourage you to believe the promises of God that Jesus has given us, that if we believe in him, he will give us eternal life. And that eternal life promises us a future with Christ, both here on earth and in the eternal order to come. And if you want to see what your final destination is, go read the last two chapters of the book of Revelation. May God richly bless you.